Good morning, church. Can you stand with me this morning? Thank you for everybody who is in your worshiping beforehand. We were just, uh, for anybody who missed it, we were just uh, worshiping through a song, just listening to the track, a song called Do Good to Not Believe. And there's a very simple line in that song that says, he heals because he loves. I was walking into uh, this week knowing I was going to leave and feeling like God wants to heal some things. Hopefully, yes, in a physical sense, but I think God wants to heal some shattered hope today. I very much felt like I was supposed to, we're going to be singing songs about hope today, about victory. Because it can be easy when you go into a new year to sometimes reflect and see a whole lot of things that did not produce hope. And I would love to say that every time I've entered a new year that I'm brimming with hope and my New Year's resolutions and life and every aspect of it, but not a lot of times. There have been a lot of things in our world that would speak otherwise against believing in hope for Christians and non-Christians. And I, um, when I was just, we, were, we took time after, as a team to really, really pray um, before we started today. And when I was thinking about that concept of healing hope, I remembered that um, Proverbs 13, 12 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And it really is something that needs to be healed. But I got that image of the angel at the pool of Bethesda reaching down and stirring the waters. For anybody who is willing and able to step into that water, they would be healed. So today, church, what the team and I are going to do is we're going to ask God to stir some water. And we're going to invite you to the pool. Can't make you come, but we'll help you down. If you need some healing today in any way, but especially if you need some heart sickness, some hope healed. We're going to be stirring up the waters. So let's pray today that he will do so. Holy and mighty King, we beseech you today to come to descend on this place, God, to stir up the waters of our hearts, souls, and spirits, God. That the things that have long been dead and dry inside of us, God, that you would reach down your hand, touch them, and from there, there would be a wellspring of life. God, that your contact would bring love and joy and peace and hope again. That in battlefields of our life that have seemed like we have lost, God, where there is no chance of hope, may you remind us that you have always been still are and always will be the victor and that you are the banner over that battle, God. No one says hope is, without, is lost because you are alive, God. And as long as you are alive and breathing and reigning, there is hope to be had in you. So may this healing, may the stirring that we are seeking today not just be for the healing itself, May that hope that we are being healed, God, may it be a hope that we find in you. May it be you yourself that we find, God, more deeply, Lord, so 
that we fall more madly in love with you who embody and are home itself, God. We love you. We honor you today, God. And we step into the water that you are stirring now, God. It is in your holy and almighty name that we pray.
open life from the beginning to end. Your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. Jesus. Yes.
battle. Some may trust in horses. Some may trust in chariots. But for us, we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. That death couldn't hold down. That sin couldn't defeat. That the very temptations of the devil himself could not break. There is no one like you, Jesus. So we dance and we shout and we sing and we lift up our voice. Daddy, we know we're, we're not free from the battle. We, we know many of us are in the midst of the battle. But we are trusting you for the battle. Our Goliaths will come. But our Goliaths will fall. You and you are worthy, Jesus. You're worthy. Come on, church. He's worthy. Just tell him he's worthy. Whatever you're going through, praise him through it. Praise him through it right now. Just praise him through it. Let, let your worship be a weapon that destroys the, the lies of the enemy over you. All those lies that he's been seeping in and telling you in the darkness of your night, let the worship of our king denounce them as lies. Father, you inhabit the praise of your people, and so we thank you for being here today. We are not, but you are. We can't, but you can. Holy, holy, holy. You are risen, you are risen, you are risen, you are risen, you are risen. So we do not serve an empty promise. We worship a living God. So, Daddy, whatever the circumstance or situation may be, whatever the dark moment may be, whatever that whale that has swallowed us that seems like it'll destroy us, whatever giant is standing taunting us and telling us we can't, we won't, we never will be. I pray right now that the voice of the Holy Spirit that you have placed inside of us may speak louder and stronger than any lie the enemy has planted. We rip up and tear out what the enemy has sown. Daddy, your word is good soil. It's good seed. Let our hearts be good soil. Plant it deep. Let it grow. Let it grow. Speak to those seeds that have been planted when you were a youth. Grow. We speak to those seeds that have been planted by your praying grandmother. We say grow. We, 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 we speak to those seeds that have been planted when you first got married. And we say grow. We, we speak to those seeds that were planted in 2020 and 2021 by the power of the Spirit. We say grow. Grow, grow, grow in the name of Jesus. Let hope arise. Let the enemies scatter. We give you glory and honor, church. Come on, can we give him glory and honor? Daddy, we give you glory and honor and power and praise. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And together we say amen and amen. We give him glory. Give him a shout of glory. One last time, Father, we love you. Jesus, you're worthy. Hallelujah. Hey, I love, I love, I love the fact, I love the fact that this is a new year. This is the first service of the new year. Uh, because we had our New Year's Eve Eve service, and, and what a service that was. Um, but this is the first service of the New Year. It's something, there's something powerful about the first. Because the Bible has a principle, a spiritual principle. When you give God the first, He blesses the rest. Like you can look through the whole Bible. You give him the, your first son. You give him, you give him the first lamb. You give him the first of your income. Tithing. You give him the first. God blesses the rest. Just, 
How many of you know you're in a good position today? But it's not just about being here. It's about being here. Being here. Saying, God, this is it. I'm, I'm in 100%. This first day is going to be every day. I'm in. I know there's going to be uphill battles. I know there's going to be giants. I know there's going to be, there's going to be issues. But, Daddy, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And you know what happens? The moment we say we're in, he says, good, I'm going to bless the rest. Man, I'm going to believe that for you today. Not in the bless the rest kind of the way that, 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 that the world is looking at. I'm talking about that the Spirit of God is going to manifest himself in you in 2023 like you've never experienced before. Intimacy and revelation of Jesus you've never seen before. Not just a better job or a promotion or, or healing. All those things are great. But the best thing that you can get in 2023 is a deeper picture of him. I'm believing that for you today. I'm so thankful you're here. Hey, look, if you're a guest today, thank you for coming, being a part of this with us. Welcome to Connect Church. It's great to have you here. We pray that you make this your home. We're a community just trying to do life together the best that we can. So let us know that you're here. There's, uh, there, there, there's some links about, and there'll be links on the screens later. You can always check in with us and let us know uh, that you're here. Can we give a shout-out to everybody who's online? We love you guys. We know so many of you still struggling. We love you so much. All right. Hey, well, as you're being seated, kiddos, you're going to be, kiddos, I know it's time for you to go, but we're going to do something special today. Your pastor's a little crazy. It's New Year. We're going to do something fun. So look, as the kiddos are coming forward before they go out, teachers, can you bring the kiddos forward? Adults, can you just say hi to somebody next to you? Give somebody a high five. Say good morning. Take a seat. All right, so kiddos, so, hey, can we give our children's ministry just a hand? Everybody who's serving is fantastic. Kiddos, we love you. I'm going to teach you guys a song. I'm going to teach you guys a song today. I'm going to teach you a song today that I used to do when I was a youth pastor, which was a long, long time ago. Um, but it's, 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 it's uh, sometimes we need the Lord to help me, right? Oh, I need the Lord to help me. At a time like this, it goes like this, at a time like this, at a time like this, at a time like this, I need the Lord to help me. How many of us know sometimes we need the Lord to help us? And that's kind of as we face going into school, going back to school, looking forward into what God has, we need it, right? But there's hand motions. So, folks, if you want to laugh along or if you want to be brave enough to participate and manifest your inner kid, you can join in with us. All right? So it, it goes a time like this, and then we're going to clap twice. At a time like this, clap twice. And at a time like this, clap once. Oh, I need the Lord to help me. Okay? Are you ready? And then we're going to add stuff. So we're going to see who's a quick learner. Ready? At a time like this. At a time like this. At a time like this. Oh, I need the Lord to help me. At a time like this. At a time like this. At a time like this. Oh, I need the Lord to help me at a time like this. Yo, yo, at a time like this. Yo, yo, at a time like this. Yo, oh, I need the Lord to help me at a time like this. 
Yow, yow, woo, woo, at a time like this. Yow, yow, woo, woo, at a time like this. Yow, woo. Oh, I need the Lord to help me. Come on, at a time like this. Yow, yow, woo, woo, boogie, woogie, at a time like this. Yow, yow, woo, woo, boogie, woogie, at a time like this. Yow, woo, boogie. Oh, I need the Lord to help me at a time like this. Yow, yow, woo, woo, boogie, woogie, wonga, wonga, at a time like this. Yow, yow, woo, woo, boogie, woogie, wonga, wonga. I need some help here. I'm old, you're young. One at a time like this. Yow, woo, boogie, wonga. Oh, I need the Lord to help me. Almost done. At a time like this. Yow, yow, woo, woo, boogie, woogie, wonga, wonga, diddly, diddly, at a time like this. Yow, yow, woo, woo, boogie, woogie, wonga, wonga, diddly, diddly, thank you. At a time like this. Yow, woo, boogie, wonga, diddly. Oh, I need the Lord to help me. This is the last one. I need all of you to help me because I'm about to die. Are you ready? Don't be too cool for school. I'm 55 up here and I'm online. You ain't even online. This is going to be someone's real video this week. Pastor's going to go viral. Are you ready? Last one. At a time like this. Yow, yow. Woo, woo. Boogie, woogie. Wonga, wonga. Diddly, diddly. Ole, ole, oh. At a time like this. Yow, yow. Woo, woo. Boogie, woogie. Wonga, wonga. Diddly, diddly. Ole, ole, oh. At a time like this. Yeah, whoa, boogie, walkie, dilly, I need the Lord to help me. Thank you very much. Great job, kiddos. Give them a hand as they go. Love you guys. Have fun in class today. Teachers, good luck with that. Parents, I hope you memorized it. We have it on video. Thanks, thanks, Lise. Pastor Lisa's like, yeah, we've got that on video. We're good. Right. We're going to get in the Word in just a second after I have some. Woo! Hey, look, you've got to have a little fun in church. You know, the Bible actually says that we should come to Jesus like a little child. And sometimes we just have to, we've got to put aside our pomp and circumstance just have a little fun. I want to thank everybody who, uh, our whole team and everybody who took care of the Christmas services and New Year's services while Danielle and I had COVID. We got, I got COVID on my birthday, our anniversary, and Christmas. How many of you know that it's not very fun? So it's been a long, it's been a long journey. But I, I almost forgot how to get to church this morning. I was driving here and I was like, I don't even remember how to get there now. But if you were here on New Year's Eve, well, I hope that you got a word. New Year's Eve was a special time because we gave out, we had a couple times during service where words were given to you out of pieces of paper. You would draw something out of a, out of a bin that was there. And uh, I believe, Danielle and I were praying for them before we did that, that you would get a Holy Spirit word. And I know the three words that I picked out were Holy Spirit words for me. Without a shadow of a doubt. So if you got those, man, awesome, and use those and pray over them. And if you miss them, we'll figure out a way. 
God will drop some words in you. But this, that's why it's important that we come together. Because God is speaking directly at times to our lives. I want to give, uh, just take a moment to, can you put up the TKC slide really quickly? If you didn't get a chance to see this, this was uh, what our uh, Thy Kingdom Crumb um, food truck ministry did this year. Um, just for, in 2022, 2,401 uh, 2, family dinner boxes were served, which is 10,402 meals uh, uh, from our events. There's 1,437 meals from the food truck individually, and the most important stat in there is 227 people made decisions for Jesus Christ. So thank you, church. That's what it's all about. If you don't know what TKC is, we have a ministry that just gives away food uh, for free to people in our communities around us, and um, it's because we're giving away Jesus. That's all. It's about giving away Jesus. So this year we want to increase that, but we're going to need your help because as you know, as you know, uh, sources of income and sources of donations are a whole lot harder to get right now. And we have very rarely uh, supported TKC with um, a lot of donations from the church. We've tried to do, use outside donations as much as we can. But the truth is this year, church, we're going to ask you to prayerfully consider every month making a donation to TKC through the church, it's our ministry, but the, more, the Bible says where your heart is, uh, where, 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 where your heart is, your, where your treasure is, your heart will be. And so when you actually give this something, it changes your heart on something. And so that's what I'm encouraging you with, to pray for. All right, I've now taken a breath. You guys ready for the word? Awesome. Why don't you open, with me, uh, open your Bible up with me, the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first book of the New Test Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, written by the apostle uh, and disciple Matthew, follower of Jesus. We're going to look at, uh, start in chapter 16. If you need a title for today, it's The We Workout. Um, we're going to do this, I think, in parts. After I started to write this message, I realized we probably need to talk more about this than, than I could talk about today, but this is the kind of the time of year where we tend to be thinking about New Year's resolutions, don't we? About the things we want to change about ourselves. About maybe how we need to drop a, a couple pounds. I certainly know I do. Or maybe we're going to start a, a Bible reading plan. Or start a, to, to, to start reading again. Or, or, or maybe we're going to get in better shape. And, and look, there's nothing wrong with those things. Matter of fact, Proverbs 29, 18 says where there's no vision, people cast off restraint and they go into chaos. We need vision. It's important. You should have those things for your life. You should write them down. They're great. But have we ever in the midst of this also considered, maybe given value to this thought, that maybe Jesus has New Year's resolutions for us? I don't mean just us individually, because obviously he does, but I'm talking about the us, the corporate us, the, the bride, the body, the church of Jesus Christ. Have we ever considered that because so much of what affects our lives and shapes our tomorrow is found in and produced and developed and refined or is meant to be refined within the outworking and the parameters of the we. 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 There's a we workout I think that God has for us as a people. There's a new we in 2023. Come on, that's, that's, the, that's it. That's what you got. That's, that's preachers. That, 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 I'm sorry, that's bad. I'll move on. But we actually have to see that in the word that there are five present day ministries of Jesus or offices that Jesus has that's important 
because they interact with our lives. Now, we know that when he came to earth, he was the Lamb of God. He was the, the Word made flesh. We know that he did signs and wonders and miracles. He was the suffering servant that took away the sin of the world. He died and rose again on the third day and uh, ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We know that that's who he was when he was here. But what is he doing now? Because Jesus is doing something now. Now that he's the risen Savior, there are five offices uh, that Jesus manifests in our lives daily. The Bible tells us in Psalm 23, verse 1, he is our shepherd. He's our shepherd. That means he looks, at, uh, he looks after us. He, he guides us. He leads us. He feeds us. He provides for us. That's awesome. He's our shepherd. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that he is our high priest. He's our high priest who, who has made propitiation for us with his own blood. He covers us. He intercedes for us as the high priest interceded for God's people in the Old Testament. Our high priest intercedes for us. Can I tell you, there is no one else who intercedes for you. Look, there's only one intercessor between God and man, and that's Jesus. There's no priest, there's no pastor, there's no angel, there's no saint that can intercede for you. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. And that, will, I promise you, just in my life, that keeps him busy. He's my high priest. He's our advocate. 1 John 2, 1 says he's our advocate. That means he is our lawyer who stands up on our behalf in the heavenly court. When we have issues in the heavenly court, our lawyer pleads our case. Sin is a legal issue. So every time we sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. His name is Jesus. How busy is he being our advocate? The Bible also says he's the king, right? Revelation 17. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He rules over everything. He, 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 is, he is the king. He is our liege. I am, we are his subject. He has and rules a kingdom. So we know that those are the four things that Jesus is doing on a regular basis. But do you realize the Bible also says in Ephesians 5.23 that Jesus is currently the head of the church. He's the head of the church. He's the architect and builder of the church. And that's what we're going to see in Matthew 16. When we look at this text, we're going to see that Jesus pulls aside his disciples to a place called Caesarea Philippi, which was kind of like the Poconos, kind of a resort area in the mountains. He got them away. He asked them the question, who do people say that I am? They have all sorts of ideas. And then finally, Peter gets a revelation from God, and he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus, in verse 17, answers him this way. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, that means Simon whose dad's name was Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, on this revelation that you just received from my dad, I will build my church. It means, that word means that it is a continual action verb. He is continually, continually building his church. That's what Jesus is doing. And what's the promise? And the gates of hell itself shall not prevail. It doesn't say the gates of hell won't come against us. It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Not my, me individually. Me individually, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but against us, his bride, his body. Even though hell will try to destroy us, divide us, dismember the body, 
piece by piece, it cannot prevail because Jesus is constantly building his church. So let's ask the question. In 2023, what is Jesus doing? What is he doing? He's building his church. That means us. He's not building a building, although those things help. He's not building an institution or a religious concept. He's building a group of people who are committed to living their lives to glorify him with everything they've got. That's what he is doing. Now, the cool thing is, before we go any further, first, there's five. There are five offices, by the way. That reflects the same thing in church, right? Because you remember Ephesians 4.11 tells us there are five-fold ministry. There's apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. So just like there is in heaven, there is on earth five-fold uh, of ministry that's going out. Why? Because five is the number of grace. And these offices are the way that grace is distributed from heaven into our daily lives. Not, into, not for salvation. That was taken care of at the cross. But the outworking of discipleship, how many of you know that we do not get better? He transforms us. We do not get better. He transforms us. It's called sanctification. It's the Holy Spirit doing work. The work of you and I being better is a gift from God, grace. So how is grace outworked? Through these five-fold offices that Jesus holds every day in our world. That's what a disciple does. A disciple follows Jesus. He doesn't just, they don't just follow what he did. I think that's awesome, and we learn so much about what Jesus did, and we try to emulate what Jesus did, but we need to consider what he's doing. Because a discipleship is not just following what he did, it's following what he is doing right now. How are we the priesthood? How are we helping shepherd? Shepherding, how are we helping guiding the flock? How are we advocating for others? How are we, come on, living out our life submitted to the king? How? How are we being the church? Because the reality is when we look at these things, and there's a reason that I'm laying this out today as we build all of this over the last couple weeks, and next couple weeks, is because almost all of these things happen to us individually, but they're meant to also function corporately as well. I am a sheep with Jesus, but I'm also in his flock. I, he is my high priest. I am a priest, but he's also taking care of the priesthood. The high priest not only dealt with an individual in the nation, but he had a responsibility to the entirety of the nation. An advocate doesn't just deal with one prayer. He deals with my sin, but sometimes, come on somebody, how many of us know that there's a case action lawsuit out there that includes a lot more people? He's advocating for that. He's not only my king, he is the king of everything. Do you realize the only thing he doesn't do individually and corporately is the last one? Build his church. Because church can never be just me and Jesus. Because church can never be, I'm going to say it again, in America in modern Christianity, church can never be me and Jesus. It's the only part of what he does that he's doing that is not individual. It's corporate. Everything has corporate aspects, but this alone is corporate. Matter of fact, the very word for church in the Greek, ecclesia, that means church, it's always singular, 
because it is, there's only one church. But in its context, it's always plural. That means a group or more than one. Therefore, it can never be just me and just him. That word ecclesia means a group of people moving in a common direction for a common cause. It's a military term that says this is where we're going to gather before we go on the offense. That's the word Jesus chose to use when he talked about you and I. So what is Jesus saying when he says he is building his church? He's saying there are things that he wants to work into us and work out of us. How? Through the mechanism of living life together in a community of faith. By being in the church and by us being the church. There are things that can only happen in our lives when we allow Jesus to have a New Year's resolution for us. Not just for me. For us. That's why Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The reality, I think, as we look at this, is that it's going to help us think of church in an entirely different way. Think about our time differently. Empower us to see beyond the entertainment factor of church and even maybe beyond the relational factor of church and see it as time that we work with Jesus. This is time we work with Jesus. And what I mean by work with Jesus is that we get to worship him. And then there's, in this time, he works on us so that we can worship him better. Did you notice, by the way, that that's one out of five of his ministries can't be done alone? That's 20% of your life. Because if we're saying, well, we really don't, it doesn't really matter what goes on in church. And I don't mean the building. And I'm not talking about a singular church. I need us to go beyond what we, the moment we hear church, you're going to hear your pastor saying, you need to show up in a building. I'm asking you to think beyond that. And actually be willing to ask yourself the real question. Am I actually functioning as the church? Me. Not us. Not the pastor, not connector. I'm saying me. Am I, am I, come on, am I, why? Because there's 20% of your life that's either going to be missing or added to. 20%. Like if someone said to you today, I'm going to give you a 20% raise, you're like, yes, you are. You'd be like, you're going to have me about it. You're like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I like that guy. Talk to me about 20% raise. That's fantastic. But there's also that 20% missing. How about if a doctor came to you and said, I'm going to take 20% of your leg. You'll still live, you're just going to limp a lot. Maybe, I don't know about you, but I don't want as your pastor for Christians to be limping their way through life. Because that's the reality. When we actually miss what church is and meant to be. When we talk about the we workout that God's trying to do for us, it's an understanding of what church is meant to be. Who we're called to be. Who we're designed to be. This is actually phenomenal news. There should be so many amens and shouts and people standing in these messages. It's not funny because I'm actually going to encourage you to tell you this is who you were meant to be. I just don't know what to do. I just don't know who I, what's my purpose. I'm going to tell you. This is good news. We work out through equipping, not simply mentoring. Mentoring's great in the business world, but it's become a business word that's, be, that's seeped into the church. 
and we have thought that it's synonymous for discipleship, it's not. Mentoring deals with factors on how you do something. Discipleship deals with factors that keep you from being someone. See, I think in today's world, believers are seeking out being mentoring, but disciples desire equipping. Because the issue for all of us is before we came to church and even after we were in church, is that if we have to understand, we are naturally equipped to serve ourselves. You and I are naturally equipped to serve ourselves. The truth is, fallen humanity is naturally gifted and driven towards self-indulgence. We're influenced with this desire to do good. I don't think anybody in here is sitting here going, I don't want to do good. But we filter it through self. And, it, and at times when we do good, we use it to congratulate ourselves on how good we are. Or we're hindered by our unwillingness to give up enough control of self to give it away freely. And so we give it away partially in measures that we think are commensurate with what the person deserves. Freely we've received, but measured back we return. These things are tested all the time in us from the simplest of ways. Let's be honest. I'll be honest just for myself. Maybe you can fit into this. This is tested in me when I drive home in rush hour. Because here's the deal, when, when, when it's a sunny day and everything's great and I'm just kind of out on the road and there's no traffic or anything and someone wants to get in my lane, I'm like, get in my lane, how you doing, have a nice day, God bless you. It's rush hour, it's bumper to bumper, someone trying to get in your lane, you can't fit a Ritz cracker between your bumper and the car in front of you. You don't look to the side, the right or the left, you're like, I don't even see you, I don't even see you. Come on. If we can't do that alone, how difficult is it for us to forgive somebody who has constantly abused us over the years? This is the truth. We want to be good. But there's things in us. You and I are far better equipped to serve ourselves than we are to serve our Savior. That's why Jesus teaches us in Act 20, verse 35, give is better to receive. That's not natural. I like to get things. That's why he has to teach us over and over again. Forgive, love, have compassion, have justice, give away mercy, be grace-filled. Why? Because these are not things you and I do naturally. Like, like my dog Harlow, like I don't have to say to her, hey Harlow, go run and chase things. I have to tell her to sit and stay. Because running after things is natural to her. Sitting and staying isn't. But how many of you know, if she runs after the wrong thing, she better hope I said sit and stay and she listened. We are better naturally situated as natural human fallen beings to serve ourselves than we are to serve our Savior. On top of that, 
We're so connected to our inabilities when it comes to living out a kingdom life, our kingdom call, what God has called us to in the kingdom of God, that we almost become immobilized whenever we hear the word. Whenever something comes that God has called us to or challenges us with something that God has spoken about us, we begin to think we are so incapable of doing it, we become immobilized by it. I can't tell you how many people I've watched leave church not because they're offended by anyone else. They're offended by the truth that's coming to them, that it was spoken over them, that they're afraid or can't see lived out in their own life. It's like Moses in Exodus 4. God rolls up and says, I want you to set people free. I want you to go into Egypt, go set people free. He goes, can't do it, I stutter. If God would have said to him, hey Moses, I want you to go into Egypt and shepherd some sheep, he would have been like, cool, easy. Been doing that for 40 years, God. No worries, I'm your guy. But it's, the problem is we are so connected, we are more connected to what we can do in our own power than we are in what the power that created the universe can do in us. This is where discipleship comes in. Not mentorship, discipleship. Dealing with the things in us that keep us intimate from him. Mentorship in the natural, when we think of equipping, we think of mentorship. Education, information, training someone for, to do a, a task better, to know more about something. Now that's great in the natural. We should have that in our jobs. It helps us in our job to have somebody who can mentor us who've been there. But I'm not trying. Jesus is not trying to raise a natural man or natural woman. Jesus is trying to raise a supernatural woman, a supernatural man. So you don't need some mentoring. You need some discipleship. Jesus did not say, come and let me be your mentor. He said, come and follow me and be my disciple. Discipleship is different. Man, God's not looking for better workers. He's looking for better worshipers. Now, don't get me wrong. The word will always help you be a better worker. But mentoring will not help you be a better worshiper. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Discipleship deals with your love or our lack of love of God. See, discipleship, my friends, is about helping us know more of someone, not something. It's why when we go to force and shoulder to shoulder, it's not just Bible studies where you're learning about the Bible. You are learning about the one who wrote the Bible. I don't care if you fall in love with reading Exodus and Genesis and Numbers and Luke and John. I care that you fall in love with the one who wrote Exodus and Genesis and Luke and Mark and John. That's what we need to do. Because Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by your love. Not by our knowledge of what to do or how to do something, but by knowing him. Isn't this the difference between the Pharisees and the disciples? The Pharisees knew the Bible better than the disciples, knew what to do and how to do it far better than the disciples. Do you, you know what the difference was? The disciples knew Jesus and the Pharisees didn't. We want the power of the disciples, but we're seeking the route of the Pharisees. We want the power of the disciples, but we're seeking the route of the Pharisees. Just tell me what I have to. Give me the five principles to a better life. Give me the seven principles to a successful marriage. I'm going to tell you the one who can make your marriage successful. Let me introduce you to the one who is alive and living 
and can give you hope in the midst of it. How, give me five verses on hope. Nope, I'm going to introduce you to the one who is hope. Come on, church. This is the difference. This is what has to change inside of us. See, the church is meant to equip us to live a holy life, to know the Holy One. And it is the domain of the church and the church alone. It's not, for, it can't, it's not the domain of a power church ministry, not podcast, not even TKC. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, 11 and, verse, 11, uh, 4, 11 and 12, the five-fold ministry is there to equip the church, to build the church up so that you and I can serve a living God. I was talking to Danielle. If I asked her, I could share this. She shared the story before, but I, in Deptford, uh, the Chipotle is connected to the Panera, right? If you've ever, come on somebody, that's good. Someone's going to stop there on the way home now today. Someone said, oh, the Chipotle sounds good. Chipotle said, and then it's connected to the Panera. So I wasn't feeling well a little while ago, and Danielle said, I'll stop at Chipotle and get you your order. Just tell, text me what you usually get. And so Danielle got out of the car, looking at the phone. She walked into Panera Bread. She started, she waited in line, got to the counter, started ordering off the phone. I'm like a burrito bowl with brown rice, some beans. I'm like, and she got to the end of the order, and the lady's like, uh, ma'am, we, we don't sell burritos here. And she's like, yeah, yeah, my husband told me to come here because this is where he wants to get his burrito from. Come on, how many of you know they were next to each other, but they don't serve the same thing? They, 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 have, they, they both were food, but they weren't the same kind. Jesus said, I've got food you know not of. Come on, somebody. Equipping helps us to work out our natural inabilities and work out our natural instabilities, which cause us to create desires that are not his. It creates and enables us to do something we cannot do in the natural, which is holy. Mentoring. Come on, somebody. And discipling may be the same stores connected, but they, they may ser serve food, but it ain't the same food. It's not going to fill your belly the same way. Podcast is great for inspiring you, but it ain't discipling you. Mm, We're going to keep going. This is not correction. This is clarity. This is clarity. Because I don't know about you, but for a lot of my life, I didn't know why I was going to church other than God told me to go to church. Like, that's what you do. You go to church. And I hope that church is good, and the pastor makes me laugh, and I learn a little something, and I feel better on the way out. I hope he gives me something that helps me get to Tuesday. We miss it. Year after year. We end the year going, man, I just wish my life. Let me, let me get, make a New Year's resolution so my life can be better next year. Do you know what makes us better? Everything I'm talking about. Because it changes us. We work out here through the church. Jesus is working out through encouraging, not simply inspiring. I think in our modern world, believers are looking for inspiring moments in church. But disciples build an encouraging environment of church. Come on, the truth is we all want to be inspired, don't we? We all want to be motivated to believe that we can be more than we are, have more than we have, experience more than we've experienced before, basically have a better world than what we've ever lived in before, that we see something different in our reality of our everyday lives. And there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with, come on, the, the gospel is good news. 
There's nothing wrong with the gospel should inspire us. The, the preaching should inspire us. But TED Talks can inspire you. A political rally can inspire you. The issue is not inspiration. It's encouragement. What comes after the inspiration? What comes after? In John chapter 12, there's this sad story where the Bible says that there's a group of people who had believed in Jesus. Stop right there. They believed in Jesus. They were inspired by him. They were inspired by his message. They were inspired by what he did, what he brought. They were inspired by the moments that they had been around him. But then the Bible says a crowd was around them that hindered rather than helped them go forward. The Pharisees, they were afraid of the Pharisees, and so they actually would not confess Jesus out loud. Come on, here's the truth. We all have a crowd. Whether it be our religious past or our shameful failures, or an actual crowd that is around us dismissing the word of God over us or dismissing God's promises about us, we all have a crowd that needs to be changed. And the reality is where we fall short as natural human beings is not in the inspiration. Gyms are packed for three weeks. In January, gyms, gyms make their money off of the inspiration of you this week. And they're packed. You can't get a machine for three weeks. It's incredibly crazy. Where we fall short is because of the lack of encouragement after the inspirational moment. Because the reality is for you and I, we live in a culture of broken images. We see ourselves constantly through negative comparisons. Not, not daily, hourly. You've heard me teach this before, but sociologists tell us that 80% of what you think about and you think a lot is negative about your own self. You and I live in this negative comparison. We all have an Abel living inside of us that's looking at the canes on the outside saying, if I could only, if I was like that, if I had a marriage like that, if my husband was like that, if my spouse was like that, if my friends would just be like that. We live with this constant negative comparison inside of ourselves and we wonder what life could be like if, but we don't wonder well. And discouragement is one of the greatest schemes of the enemy. So we don't need to just change the crowd on the outside. We need to change the crowd on the inside. And we can't do that alone. Because when we try to do it alone, it's us that's the problem. It's not what someone else thinks. It's what you think. It's what you and I think. If you knew what I thought about myself, you'd never come here. If you knew... After all the success I've had in my life in the natural, how little I think of myself, how often I think I failed, how much of a failure I actually believe I am. All the time. It is a daily wrestling moment with me. Maybe I'm alone in here. Maybe this room is filled with everybody who's like, I'm the best in the world. Then you got a whole different problem. <laughs> I can't do it alone. We have the enemy of our souls. We have other people's attitudes and other people's agendas. We have other people's issues. We have our own insecurities working against us. And the only thing that we've got in our corner is a little inspiration. That's it. 
it ain't going to last. We need to change the crowd, and you and I, as this church, need to be a different crowd. We cannot be a crowd that just wants to be inspired from the pulpit. We have to be a people that encourage people in the pews. We can't just expect the encouragement to come from the stage. We need to be a people that encourages each other along the way. I need somebody to encourage. I don't need somebody to blow smoke up my... I don't need someone to pat me on. I need someone to encourage me with hope. I need someone to have a word of God for me that said, man, I was praying for you this week, and I don't know whether this word hits home or not, but this is what God dropped in my spirit for you. Stay the course. Stay the course. Come on. The best is yet to come. I don't need someone, oh, that was just a good... No, I need someone who's going to stand with me. That's what we need. That's why Jesus built the church. He didn't save people. He built a church of saved people. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage each other. It's a command. And build each other up. Hebrews 3.13 uh, 3, says, But encourage one another daily, as it's called today, so that no one may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. He's saying you've got to recognize your brothers and sisters around you that sin can easily discourage and bring deceit and undermine their life, their marriage, and their destiny if we don't actually build an environment that's encouraging. Inspiration doesn't hold. That's why Hebrews 10.25 says, don't neglect coming together. I love online. I love that we have it for when you're sick or when you're traveling. But online community is not a living community. The living community is in the doors, inside the walls. When we gather together, don't neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage each other even more as you see the day of Christ approaching. We have a purpose. We all have a purpose in being here today. This should be a bastion of encouragement. Sunday mornings, Tuesday afternoons, Thursday evenings. Why? Because we, all, we should all know that all, we are all, we are all natural backsliders. Oh, no, I'm not. I love Jesus. You are a natural backslider. We all say, man, it's an uphill battle. Yup, but we forget how easy it is to slip when you're trying to push something uphill. You and I are natural backsliders. That's why we, Connect Church, need to become a Caleb type of community. I love Caleb. Numbers 13 tells me that when the 12 spies come back and all the rest of the spies except for he and Joshua say we can't do it and all the community starts to be negative Nancys, right? Come on. Whining Williams. We can't do it. We can't do it. God. Caleb rises up. Caleb rises up in the midst of the naysayers and he says we are well able to do it. Shut up. We're well able to, I don't know, you don't know what I've had to go through. Shut up, we are well able to do it. No, but you don't know my mother-in-law. Shut up, we are well able to do it. Yeah, but you don't know what I had to face. Man, my time, I couldn't, we didn't, I don't have. And you don't know what he did. Shut up, we are well able to do it. How different would life be if people around you actually knew what you were going through because they're doing life with you and actually said, I know you've got some battles. I know there's giants in the land. I ain't denying it. I know there's fortresses. I know there's Jerichos. I know there's high walls. I know it seems impossible, but my God's on our side. We can do this thing. Like, I don't know about you. I don't need somebody just to be nice to me. I need someone to encourage me beyond the inspirational moment. This is what church is. Telling somebody we can take the land. You can restore that marriage. 
We can break this addiction. You can forgive that person. We can become the people of God he's called us to be. This is what church is. Or it's meant to be. Really hasn't been my experience in church. I don't know if it's been yours. My experience in church is that we are more likely to shoot our wounded than to encourage them they can be healed again. And maybe you've been one of those people that has been shot when you were wounded. I want to let you know this is a place of grace. This is a place of mercy. And I don't care who you were, I'm going to fight for who you can be. And if that's not the kind of church you want to be in, there's a thousand churches out there that will just tell you you're good enough the way you are and God wants to bless you. And I'm going to say God does want to bless you, but not the you you are. He wants to bless you to become the person that he's called you and created you to be. Let me give you this last thing. We're going to go home because I'm sweating. And I used all my energy in the song at a time like this. This last one, and we're gonna, I'm going to talk about some more of this next week. I hope, I hope you hear, I hope you're inspired. I, I hope you're encouraged. But this last thing is, I think this is what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to work out through empowering, not simply entertaining. We'll cover the rest next week, but, the, but this is the issue. Modern believers value being entertained at the expense of disciples being empowered. And I get it. This is one of, I believe, one of the greatest seductions of the modern church that the enemy has slid into the modern church. And the reason I can speak on it is because I've been there, I've done that, I know it's true. And there's nothing wrong. Now, stay with me in what I'm going to say. The problem is the enemy has placed a value on entertainment as a core ingredient for church life. I need to be entertained when I come to church. I need to be entertained when I come to church. I need to be entertained when I come to church as a high value. And because we as pastors know that, and we as teams know that, and we want seats to be filled, can I tell you, we've spent hours and hours. Teams of church staff around this world are spending more time trying to be creative for you than praying for us. I've spent countless hours being creative, building conferences, making sure I get the right guest speaker in, making sure we have the right series and the branding and the series titles and the, and the, and the skits and the songs and the creative pieces. And we spend hours of time and resources to increase the entertainment value. Now, don't get me wrong. You've heard me say it a thousand times. It should be illegal for church to be boring because God is not a boring God. Being around Jesus was certainly not boring. Come on, somebody. He turned water into a lot of wine. That was not boring. He took a few pieces of fish and some bread and fed thousands. His voice stopped wind and the waves. Come on, somebody. He, he, he opened deaf ears and opened blind eyes. He spoke a word, and a dead dude got out of the grave named Lazarus. It certainly was not boring. It was definitely entertaining, but it was not the point of the king nor the point of the kingdom. Jesus was pow- focused on empowerment, not entertainment. When people ask Jesus for a sign to be entertained or to be convinced, he said, the only sign you're getting is the sign of Jonah. I'm going to be dead for three days, and then I'm going to come up out of the belly of the whale. I'm going to come up out of the belly of the grave. Because listen to me, man, if you, look, we will not be, if you need a sign to be convinced, 
you won't be convinced. But if you're convinced, you'll already have signs. When I'm convinced, I'm already convinced. Science follow those who believe, the word says. I don't need a sign to help me believe. I need to believe, and then there's signs. He is not in the entertainment business. He is in the empowerment business. And the truth is, entertainment is a cheap replacement for empowerment, and it has a shorter shelf life. It happens all the time in our life. Here's how I know. You will have a rocking Easter service. You will have a crazy Christmas service. You will have shows and it'll be packed to the walls. People will be outside. Next week, there's eight people in church. Short shelf life. That's not just natural for us. We see it all throughout the Bible. Exodus 14. They're coming out of, coming out of Egypt. God separates the Red Sea for them. Do you remember the story? They walk through on dry ground. The Egyptian army comes after them. The sea swallows them up. How many of you know? That must have been pretty entertaining. Pretty amazing, actually. That, that was probably the best show they've ever seen in their life. It's awesome. Flip the page. 24 verses later. They're like, God, why did you leave us out here in the middle of the desert grumbling? Because they were entertained, but they weren't empowered. But the kingdom of God is about empowering us. Empowering us. Can I just be honest for a moment? I hope I've been honest this whole time. I know when people, pastors say that, it's always weird. It's just a transition piece. The world has enough entertainment. And frankly, the world does it better than us. It doesn't matter. I've been at the best conferences in the planet. And they're awesome for the church world. And Hollywood still does it better. Concerts still do it better. They do. They're just better at entertainment. I actually saw a video recently about a church. This is not bashing the church. I'm just making the point. A church's Christmas service had shirtless dancing Santas. And they were breaking it down like they were on America's Got Talent. Right there, Mary? And people were laughing. And it was like, no! Like, oh, Awesome! Great. Do you know what people were talking about when they came? I mean, you should see the shirtless Santa Santas. They were hysterical. Can't believe we had, can't believe we had shirtless Santas in church. Some people were like, can't believe we had shirtless Santas. I'm like, I can't believe we had shirtless Santas in church. They were hilarious. Do you know what we weren't talking about in that moment on Christmas? Jesus being in church. The Spirit of God moving. They don't have to be at odds. I'm not at odds with cultural relevance. I believe we need to be culturally relevant, but not at the expense of spiritual significance. For us, fitting in has to have less of a priority than setting people free. Being politically correct has to have less value than living like one of the elect of God. Surrender, not synchronization, has to become our status quo. I'm not trying to fall in line with the world. I'm trying to get out of step with them. Because my king is not in line with the world. There's a God of this age, and there's a king above it all. I read this quote the other day, and I'm almost finished, that said, the world has lost the power to blush over its vice. They're not even embarrassed anymore. But the church has lost her power to weep over it because she's in line with it. We need 
to be a people, a community, a place that sees the devil flee. Bondages break off. Hope restored. Where healings become normal. Where depression jumps off at the door. Man, there's a sad moment. And maybe this is a moment that we could see our lives in, in today. But in Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva, they run into this demon-possessed dude. And they try to cast him out. And they say, we cast you out in the name of the God that Paul preaches. The demon rises up and says, Jesus I know. Paul I heard of. But who the heck are you? And he beats them down so bad, they run out naked. They lost everything they had. Everything they thought they were. They ran out naked. The world does not need somebody. They don't, we don't need a church that can talk about Jesus. They don't need to talk about, about what Paul says. We don't need to be, we know things about the Bible. We need to know the God of the Bible. We need to know the Jesus who manifests himself in our lives. It's not what pastor does or what Benny Hen can do or what some conference speaker can have. Come on church. It's what's inside of you. This is why Jesus says, these things I have done, you shall do also. We don't need an empowerment theology. We need an empowerment reality. There's a reason Jesus sent them out two by two because they can't do it alone. There's a reason the word talks about the gifts of the spirit and how they should work inside the church. It's because that's what Jesus is doing. He's not just trying to give us a better life. He's trying to set folk free. I don't want people to come in and be like, whoa, I mean, I was inspired by that message today. I hope you are. But I hope at the end of the day, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because the truth is, when we step out into the world in Jesus' name, the enemy's coming for us. And that funny skit we saw on Sunday ain't going to save us. That cool conference speaker, he's not going to be there to help us overcome it. That podcast preacher won't be present, but the Spirit will be. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. And how did they get the Holy Ghost? How did, let's get back to the Bible. How did they get it? Acts chapter 2. And when they were all together in one place, the Holy Spirit fell. And they were empowered to be who God had made them be. Your stat, your pastoral team has been asking the question for the last year. How do we know that the Holy Spirit is present in, in, in a service? What a question to ask ourselves. How do I know in 2023 that the Holy Spirit is present in me right now? Oh, I know theologically he's there. Don't get me wrong. Theologically, I know it. I'm talking about relationally. I know practically that Danielle and I are married. But that's not how I know that we're a couple. How I know that she's my wife is when we spend time together. Because there's intimacy there. Because who she is is walking with who I am. This is what Jesus promised the church. Jesus knows what he's doing, putting us together in church. This is where he wants to work things out of us and work things into us. Here's the last thing, and I'm going to leave you with this. Sooner or later, each one of us has to decide 
whether we're going to live for our own power or live from the power of God. I can't make the choice for you. I wrestle with it every day because I do a lot of things really well. And I can run a service in my sleep. That doesn't mean the Holy Ghost is moving. Hey, in 2023, you're going to choose to live from your own power or live from the power of God. Our team will promise you, I'm promising you, church, if you keep showing up, if you're willing to do the work, if you go to fours, you go to shoulder to shoulder, you start dealing with the stuff that's in you, I promise you, you will not be the same person going into 2024 as you are in 2023. I promise you this church won't be the same. I promise you your kids won't be the same. Your kids don't need better parenting. You don't need better parenting skills for your kids. Your kids need better parents. You don't need a better leader standing on the stage. You need a better man of God. We don't need to be spending our time planning out the next creative moment. Look, we're going to be creative. It's who we are. It's cool. But God, Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. So when we have prayer nights, it should be more packed than a Sunday morning. We have moments where we're saying, come on, come, get here 15 minutes early and tear the, tear, heaven, tear the roof off and call heaven down. Man, there should be something happening better in pre-service than even in service. There's just got to be something. We have to, can we be the church? Can we be the church? Time's coming when he's coming back. That I know. Whether I'm here or not, I don't know. Your kids might be. Your friends might be. And I promise you, it won't be the church skit that saves them. It'll be what's living and breathing inside of you. Can we be the church? Let's pray. Being the church starts with being his disciple. Not a better person. Not a churchgoer. A disciple. Discipleship starts with surrender of your whole life. Everything, time, resources, energy, focus. Danielle and I talked this year, this week, about a vision for this year, moving unbelievers to believers and believers to disciples and disciples to martyrs. I don't mean dying, but I mean dying to self. And I don't know where you are on that line, but today, if you're an unbeliever or maybe just been trying to be a good person, can I invite you to step into being a disciple of Jesus? Make this the greatest resolution you can make, which is to say, I'm going all in. 
I ain't messing around. I'm all in. And that simply comes by confessing Jesus as Lord with my mouth, believing he died and rose again on the cross for me, and asking him and surrendering to him to be my king. So if you're here today, you're online today, you're listening on this podcast, I invite you right now as we pray to make this decision. We're all going to pray, but if that's a decision you need to make, maybe you've never prayed that before, maybe you've prayed that, but you're far from God right now. Man, you, you've, you, you're, your heart's cold. Right now is the day to come back home and just say, here I am, God. I'm fully in. I'm fully in. We're going to pray, but you pray it from the bottom of your heart. Come on, church, pray with me. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you all of my life. I'm not holding anything back. I want to live for you. I'm all in. So I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. To cleanse me and forgive me. To fill me with the Holy Spirit power. To open my ears that I might hear your voice. Soften my heart that I may fall deeper in love with you. I choose from this day forward and forevermore to live for your glory. I'm all in. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, can we give God some glory right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, my friends, right after service, Pastor Rick is right over here. Pastor, can you give a wave? Pastor Rick's going to be back here at these tables. If you've made that decision, if you want to make that decision, if you're not sure about making that decision, come talk to him. We have some free uh, books that we love to give you. If you're online, we have some free books. Just send your, your info into the link there. We'll make sure that we get you those, uh, those books as well. But church, thank you for letting me speak about this today. I encourage you, meditate on this. Meditate on the Word day and night. Meditate on the Word day and night, and you will be successful and prosperous everywhere you go. If you meditate on the Word day and night, the Bible says you will be successful and prosperous wherever you go. Amen? Can you give Pastor Kevin a hand as he's coming to encourage us in our worship, I mean, our giving really quick? Thank you, Pastor. Uh, can, we, can we just say clap, round of applause for our pastor? I, I, I love you, dude. The, he doesn't need it. He doesn't ask for it. But the truth is, at the beginning of here, we talked about the first. What gets sown into what you guys are doing in the first of this year. That seed that, was, that he just planted in this house into us. Let's water it. Let's nurture it. There's power in those words that he just shared with us today because it's rooted in truth. Amen? Good morning. My name is Kevin. It's good to be with you all this morning. I'm tired. I'm very tired. Um, and out of that tiredness, at the beginning, at the end of last year, beginning of this year, the Lord has been challenging me to, to read more about his love. And so... As I share with you about the offering, there'll be screens on to show you how to give. You can give by filling out the envelopes nearby to um, put in the kiosk as you walk in. You can scan the QR code. You can log on to CCB and give through there. But wow, this microphone makes me sound very good. Um, I know, I know, it feels like an authority um, with this microphone. Okay, all right, I started thinking through all the things that I shouldn't say with the microphone, all right, anyway. So, um, one of the things, so, so 
news, I'm just sharing with you because of the context and being honest here. My wife and I uh, are foster parents and we received our first placement over the past week. It's been amazing. We're grateful for it. Uh, one of the things that I really discovered about myself is um, uh, my love is deed. I love out of deed. So when you have two under three children placed in your home, it's easy to start going through deeds. I will provide a safe home for them, a meal for them, set boundaries for them. But at three in the morning, when one of them's crying, there's no deed for that. That's a love action. John 3.16, God says, for he so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son. There could have been a deed for that. There could have been a different way for that to happen. But the love he had for us, he has for us, compelled him to do something radical. I give out of deed. The Lord has challenged me, hey, Kevin, you need to get out of, give out of love. How radical will your giving be if you knew, man, the attachment that I have with love in action? So I don't know where you're at. Maybe you guys are already there. That's cool. But I'm still on it. And so if you're not there, join me in faith today to get there. All right, we're going to pray. There any fire, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you're good. That you are a good shepherd, Lord. Yes, Lord. That we shall not want, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us and that you know us. I pray, Lord, that as we enter in this season, help us to see love the way you see it. Help us to break free of deed and action and religion and how we go about doing the things that we've been doing. Help redefine and reshift. Father, may we leave today different than we entered, yes. and may that propel us breakthrough this year. Breakthrough in every moment this year, not just in our finances, but in our health, in our families, in our communities. Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give Pastor Kevin a hand. Hey, guys, why don't we stand really quickly? Just going to pray a benediction over you really quickly. But, you know, we talked about uh, equipping, encouraging, and empowering today. One of the ways that we want to help equip you is in Forge and Shoulder to Shoulder, which is our men and women's discipleship uh, groups that meet throughout the week. And to help you do that, look, you don't have to know anything about the Bible or anything about anything. Uh, these groups are there to help us know Jesus better. And so um, I know our, the Forged for Men is going to start next week, not this week, the following week. We're starting a brand new book. We're going to go through the book of John all together. We're going to learn who Jesus is. As he says, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am. We're going to fall in love with him. Ladies, I know you guys are starting uh, again soon as well. All that information you can get uh, by scanning the QR codes. Um, and why don't sign up before you go today, even before you leave. Make a decision. Make a resolution. 
Next week, maybe pray this week about God sharing a word with you that you can share that's encouraging to someone else. I'm not talking about a prophecy. I'm not talking about a a, a long dream. I mean, if God gives you those things, that's awesome. That's, That's fantastic. Just saying, maybe there's someone sitting next to you or across from you that you know they're going through something. The same God that knows them can speak to you. Not just inspiration from the stage, encouragement from the seats. And what we do in the private, in our private lives with the Holy Spirit, will be manifest in our public life through the Holy Spirit. Let's become a church of equipping, encouraging, and empowering people that live for His glory. Father, let your light shine. May the glory of the Father, may the glory of His Son, may the power of His Holy Spirit be upon you. May your eyes be open to see who He really is. His heart, your heart, be set ablaze with a passion to love Him like never before. May the Holy Spirit manifest in you like you've never known Him in the past. May he guide your feet this week as he guides the footsteps of the righteous. May every word that you speak prophetically stir something in the people you're speaking to. May hope rise and may our enemies be scattered as we live for him and him alone. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. I'll see you next week. Have a great week. Love you.